0: This week's episode is brought to you by Foundation Devices, the makers of the beautiful air-gapped open source, assembled in the USA Bitcoin hardware wallet called Passport. And by air-gapped, I mean this device never goes online, never needs to connect to your computer. Every time you connect your hardware wallet to your internet-connected computer, you're running some risk, but Passport uses an SD card to eliminate that risk and it's super simple to sign bitcoin transactions by just scanning qr codes so much safer to do it this way you can use their mobile app called envoy or you could use sparrow wallet or electrum there's a hundred ways that you can use passport you can do it in your own way the attention to detail and design is just amazing. So many crypto hardware wallets look like they were made by engineers, right? But the Passport is totally different. It's beautiful. The average person would look at this and think it's a, a little mobile phone or something like that. It has a rechargeable battery, a glass display. Really, really nice. You need to take a look at Passport. Decide for yourself. They're back in stock. So go to FoundationDevices.com and check it out. This week's guest is the inimitable Francis Coppola. She's an outspoken writer and speaker on banking, finance, and economics. She's a well-known critic of cryptocurrency, the author of a book called The Case for People's Quantitative Easing, and recently she had a pretty high-profile run-in with... British politician Nigel Farage, when he claimed his bank account got closed for political reasons, we'll get into that a little bit in this conversation. Let's get right to it with Francis Coppola. Okay, Francis, thanks for yeah, thanks for joining me today. I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm actually a big fan of yours, even though I disagree with like. Uh, I'd say, like, say yeah. n- like 98%, I would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. There's 2%. We can work with that.
0: <laughs> right. I, I think I first came across you because of your your outspoken views on Bitcoin. Yep. And then I explored deeper, you know, some of the things you were talking about with, with regard to banking and you spent time working in the banking industry, right?
1: Yeah. Quite a few years.
0: And so I got deeper and, and realized you have a deeper philosophy here, you know, than any one topic. So that's why I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to find out more about how you think and uh, how it relates to some of the topics that are going on today, like, you know, like things that concern me, like CBDC mm-hmm. technology and, and things like that, that ultimately, you know, my major concern with stuff like that is government micromanaging my life in the long term. you know? And so, but, but like, I wanted to get first a sense of what you think, like, how do you define money? What is money to you?
1: fundamentally to me money is um is uh, is a medium of exchange it's how we transact it's how we trade with each other um and money is the means of trading with people we don't know people we don't trust that mm-hmm. is the purpose of money we're doing transactions with people we know and trust we don't use money if you, you know if if with family members for example we don't necessarily use money we use money when we're dealing with people who are more distant from us, who maybe we don't entirely know, or who maybe, and the other reason we use money is to do with what they call the double coincidence of wants, which means that, say, if the, the problem with barter, everybody thinks it's all come from barter. So if I've got like two kilos of potatoes and you've got um, um, a kilo of carrots or something, we can do a trade. Except that we've kind of got an implication that assumes that, I, that at the same time I need carrots and you need potatoes But if we don't if I say need carrots in a couple of weeks time, you you need potatoes now then um, If you see what I mean, then we've got mm-hmm. a we, we've got a, a a Timing problem and money solves the timing problem. It's like a, it is we can use the, correctly use the term token about money Money is a token. It's a representation of of value. It's a value that can be cashed in at a future date for something real.
0: Okay. I think we're on the same page here. Money represents to me almost it's like um, human energy in a way, you know, because it represents uh, I have something that I obtained either through my work or by trading something else that I had to obtain it. And you're interested in that thing and I can trade it to you for something else. Um, But then you take money as a concept and it can substitute for any of those things. And it becomes this thing that everybody wants because it stands for that human energy that's required to obtain things. Um, Things including food and water and everything.
1: Or another way of looking at it it is that it represents our obligations to each other.
0: Right. That's a good, that's a good point too. Yeah. And so, but at at its core, like, I think we agree that money is a concept, right? It's a, it's a, an idea and that everybody needs to agree on that idea in order for it to be worth anything. Right.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and one of the one of the features of, of money is not just that people need to agree on what money on that they are all prepared to use these tokens as money as a means of exchange, but they also need to agree on what they're worth. Um, mm-hmm. you know, money is a as a as a means of accounting for things. Um, for measuring value. Um so that's one of the functions of money is what we call a unit of account. Um, whereby we agree that two kilos of potatoes are worth this much in monetary terms. And that enables us actually to deal with or resolve some of the issues that come out of where I've got two kilos of potatoes, but you've only got a kilo of carrots. Um, You know, what is the relative value of potatoes and carrots if we're doing a one-for-one exchange there? Um, So carrots are worth twice as much as potatoes in monetary terms.
0: Right. So... Money has to be more to you though, I think based on some of the stuff that I've heard you talk about, I think that, um, it's one thing to say money is, you know, this tool for exchanging value that you've earned. Um, but it's another thing to, to say that money, um, should be controlled by government, right. And used as a tool to incentivize certain things or to, to cause certain behaviors to happen, um. So doesn't doesn't that expand the definition a little bit beyond what you just said?
1: Well, I think it depends what you consider the role of a government to be. Um, you know, and we can get into at this stage the nature of government and what its role in in a, in, in in society is. Um, that um, you can have private money. I mean, I don't myself. I mean, it's interesting, you seem to think I'm I'm very much a kind of a centrist government control type person, but I'm really not. And quite a lot of what I've written has actually been about private monies. Um, and one of the things that happens when governments become too controlling around money is you start to get private monies developing. People find start using other things as money. Money is not fundamentally... Um, in that respect, when, when you consider mon- money as a medium, m- means of exchange, as a means of, as a, a representation of our obligations to each other, and and a representation of value, it's not fundamentally a government construct. That's more social construct. If you see what I mean. You could have a community which doesn't have a government, but which does have some form of token that everybody agrees, is uh, represents value for them and obligations for them. I mean, famous examples are things like Appstones. Um so, but there's a second, there, there is another way of looking at it, which is that I think money also conveys a sense of identity of who we are as a people, who we are as a nation, who we are as a community. And if you are part of a community that has a government, even if it, you know, never mind what kind of government that, government that is, it doesn't have to be a democratic one. In you know, back in the olden days, it was often theocratic. So money was often issued by temples um but it kind of rep it it was it it kind of represented who we are our identity as a as a nation or as a or as a community or as a state or whatever Mm -hmm. and and people become very very attached to it which is why for example in my own country we we really really like the pound and we don't want to give it up
0: so when you say it represents you know the 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 people in a way, or the identity of a nation. Do you mean that money can be used to mold the identity of a nation through its supply, through restrictions on it, through creating new money? Is that what you're talking about or am I missing that?
1: Partly. Um, it's more, um, it's, it's kind of related to also governments mandating um, what makes, what weights and measures will be used that type of thing so again come back to my own country the uk great deal of debate following our departure from the eu about whether we stop using metric measures and go back to britain's unique set of imperial measures that we used to use um when i was a child and that in some parts of our economy we still use and there are people who really really want that to happen because for them It's an expression of our sovereignty as a nation. It's who we are. It means we are different from them. We use a different set of weights and measures. We use a different money. It's part of our identity.
0: I guess part of why I'm asking these questions is because I've heard you and seen you talk about um, the idea that new money should be created to, to solve social issues, right. And to solve wealth inequality and quantitative easing and all that kind of stuff, which, which indicates that, and that's what I was alluding to before too, is that, that type of, um, policy, those policies basically go beyond just, and they almost, to me, they, they nullify the idea of money as that, um, symbol of, of your time and your energy, You know, and they turn money into a tool for government to manipulate the behavior of people, whether or not it's for good or for bad is a different story. But it is about how can we incentivize and and manipulate people into doing what we want them to do because we think it's for the better, for the greater good. Like, to me, that changes the definition of money to a certain extent, almost mutates it.
1: It can do. And I don't rule that out. And when we talk about CBDCs, there are issues around that that concern me greatly. But but fundamentally, if you are seeing money as simply a means to an end, um, what is the means to an end that we want? We want people to be able to transact with each other. We want people to agree on what uh, what the value of value of things is. We want people to be able to 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 build up wealth. Those are the three functions of money. And if you are and if you want that to happen, if you want people to be able to do that, then you have to have enough money. Now, your community may may create enough tokens itself just organically um, but in in countries and um states that have governments, historically, money has always been created by government. And the question is then, how much of it do they should they create, and who should have it? Um And I'm actually not very into governments necessarily being totally in control of um either of those.
0: so you're how would you describe yourself politically? Centre. Okay.
1: I'm very pragmatic, but I'm kind of politically neutral, really. Right now in the UK, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit lefty, but that's only because my government, is, everybody here, has lurched so far to the right, um, which is, and in America, you're even further to the right, so I guess I'm probably a bit lefty. But but I'm certainly not this kind of sort of centre, and, and I think perhaps a more helpful way of looking at it, I've found, found more helpful, is how authoritarian are you? And I'm not very, despite, although I believe in in sort of things like equality and social justice and so forth, I'm not very authoritarian. I'm not very into government sort of state mandating things. Um, So when it comes to money, for example, we've had at intervals since the um, 2008 financial crisis, we've had people proposing that that banks should lose their money creating powers and all money should be created by governments. And I'm going, no. No, actually, what we have, believe it or not, is actually a decentralised system whereby money is created by commercial banks in response to demand for loans, and the only and the interference, if you like, with that from government concerns the the um, provision of the underlying means of of settlement between banks. But it doesn't affect um, what banks do. But we do interfere with how banks do that because banks can be really very criminal things and that's all to do with the rule of law
0: right yeah the whole left and the right thing in in america is is so hard now to it's hard to to put these things on a scale uh or on a spectrum because you know the most the people who are most authoritarian when it comes to money and social issues are actually the people who believe that they're least authoritarian a lot of times. (laughs) You know, when we're talking about, you know, can you force somebody to make you, to officiate your wedding if they don't want to? Like, if you say yes, that's authoritarian. You're telling somebody they have to do something they don't want to do. Uh, can, Can the government force somebody to undergo a medical procedure? Uh, If you say yes, then, I mean, yeah, even if you think it's for the greater good, you're still authoritarian, you know, but they would never think that.
1: No, and I'm actually very surprised how authoritarian some people who consider themselves to be libertarians, are. Um, and they don't seem aware of it. I mean, in my own country, for example, we are now with a very, really quite right-wing government, firm, supposedly firmly wedded to free markets and and um, freedom of speech and uh, all of these things, um, centrally planning the labour market completely um, and dictating to banks who they must do business with. How is that consistent with this kind of belief in free market and freedom of speech, freedom of expression, the freedom to do business with whom you please, uh, it, it it's completely inconsistent. I personally, um, as a as from a philosophical point of view, more on the point of you know there are limits, there must be limits because otherwise we do get unacceptable practices like you know discrimination on grounds of nothing but race or something like that um, But within those limits which are kind of mandated by human rights really, legislation really um, Businesses people so should be free to transact with whoever they want to transact with and if that means saying I actually don't want to give you a bank account Then that's okay
0: yeah, so you you had that run-in, that memorable run-in with Nigel Farage yep. on a news program. <clears throat> I don't know what it is because I'm American and don't watch British yeah. TV, but when it's you and it pops up on Twitter or YouTube, I'm going to watch it. And I watched that. And um, just to summarize what I understood from it was his bank account was shut down. These memos came out that showed that people in the bank were concerned about his political views. Um, but also he sold his house or he closed the mortgage and that that um disqualified him from continuing at the bank right it was something like that and you were yeah. pointing out that that's the that was the actual determining factor not the not the political concerns but the the financial just the black and white rules say he was disqualified from having that bank account absolutely
1: the point i was making which was totally supported by what was in the information he obtained from his bank um, was that the decision had been made on the grounds that he no longer met their published financial criteria. It's, you know, it's Coots uh, is, is an elite brand. It um, offers banking services to very rich people, and you have to have really rather a lot of money, either that or borrow an awful lot. Um, or both, um, in order to qualify for an account with them. So when his account fell below those criteria, they decided to close it. Now, the, the question was more to do with, did they give him, did they, A, warn him that, they were going, that, that paying off his mortgage would have that effect, and B, did they give him the opportunity to bring his account up to commercial viability? And the answer seems to be no. Um, they simply decided that he they didn't really want to miss a customer anyway, and from the dossier, it appears that really because they reckoned he just posed this massive reputational risk to them, which in the event um, <laughs> proved to be the case.
0: So like everything that I read and I, I heard what you had to say about it, you know, and and I read about it and uh, saw what you were posting on Twitter about it. And to you, it's it's a very black and white issue, you know, with regard to why they closed it. Um, but, but, I mean, first of all, you can clearly see why he would make this argument, right? Like you can understand that point of view at its core, right? Even if you don't agree with it,
1: I can understand the argument. I just think it's wrong, and I think it's based upon a misunderstanding of banks. I mean, I, if you actually sort of look at banks, I, I, I don't, I don't hold a torch for banks. No, I am not a shill for banks. I I know what they're like, and banks fundamentally are motivated by money. They will take on um, the most awful people if they think they'll make money from them. Um, but if they've got somebody who is not earning them very much money, um, and who is a reputational risk to them, to them which means that some of the things he do, given he had actually disclosed to the press his banking relationship with Coots he'd done that in 2019 it's in the times so it was a matter of public knowledge that he banked with coots and they were concerned that something he did might cause them reputational damage by which they would mean drive away customers that they want drive away shareholders cause the bank share price to crash cause them to lose um revenue in terms of um you know income from lending or just or income from deploying uh, people's um their high net worth customers um wealth um in productive ways so from their point of view they would have been looking at it as the risk to their revenues to that that he presented he wasn't mm-hmm. earning them enough and he was a risk and he was creating risk that they would drive other people away and you have to look at it like that because this is how banks um this is how banks work. Even the risk, um, you know, when we're dealing with money laundering risks and things like that, in banks banks will launder money, and they do, if they think that the amount of money they'll make from money laundering is more, more, is enough to justify the risk of being heavily fined if they get caught, right? Yeah. Okay, and all banks think like that. Fines are a cost of business. Right. The problem it, where they got caught out in in the last 10 years or so was that the regulators ramped up the fines. So when BNP Paribas got hit with a nine billion fine by the, federal, by, by the Fed, um, it sent shockwaves around the world because suddenly all these banks, that was for sanctions busting, suddenly all these banks are going, oh, my God, that's a much bigger fine than we're used to right so right. I, I immediately started thinking actually some of this dodgy stuff we've been involved in we'd better get out of because if they hit us with a fine like that we're in trouble it's no longer worth their while doing dodgy things right so it's not yeah it's all to do with with banks core business which is to make money
0: yeah so you're not you're you're not saying that his political views the fact that he's Conservative and, and led the Brexit movement, et cetera. You're not saying that that didn't play a role. You acknowledge that that played a role yeah. in the situation. You're just saying that it wasn't about the actual political views. It was about the fact that they could cost the bank customers and hurt their reputation uh, yeah, in the long exactly. term.
1: Exactly. So, that.
0: Yeah. But I guess the next question would be, I hear what you're saying, and I agree. I agree with you. Like capitalism, that's the rule. The rules are capitalism, right? And we're going and to banks
1: are, banks are capitalist institutions, right? Behave, right. So as you would expect capitalist institutions to behave.
0: But on a social level, on a societal level, don't do you think that there's a problem with that kind of precedent where a bank can. Um, and I'm not saying that there should be laws against this or anything like that. I'm just thinking like on a sort of a philosophical level. And let's substitute, because in my head, okay, we can substitute Ni- Nigel Farage for for um, anybody, you know, on the on the left, right? It's like, or anybody who's a minority, you know, or anybody, let's say all of a sudden transgender people become persona non grata for whatever yep. reason. And if you are um, banking a transgender um, or leader, activist, right? Somebody who's who's out there, you know, pushing for, for transgender rights, and a bank decides that having that now the, the tides have turned and people don't like transgender people anymore. Right. And it's like, okay, now we're going to that this is a reputational negative for us to be banking this person. Mm-hmm. Uh do we start to get into dangerous territory where money starts to act as a censor in a way, you know, and capitalism starts to act as a, a, a control mechanism for tyranny of the majority?
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. And that's why we need safeguards around this. So I'm not saying that banks should always be able to do exactly what they please, but. Um, it's, uh, um we have human rights legislation and we need it so there are groups certainly I like, you know in in the uk that have protected rights that includes transgender people um and people can't have their bank accounts closed because they are trans or because they're black or because they're jewish or because they're women or all all of those have been only because done. they're
0: conservative men uh,
1: no 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 they can't be, they can't have their bank accounts closed because because of their political beliefs either and I, and and it's but it's this kind of nuanced thing about what is the effect on me of this particular person who has an extremely high profile who shouts his views from the rooftops Coots said themselves in that dos, in that bundle of documents that they had other customers with very similar views who were not posing the same risk because they were much quieter it was the the public nature of his views. It wasn't his views. It was how he manifested them. It was uh-huh. his behaviour. And that's actually quite a nuanced point legally about at what point does it become your, is does it stop being about what you believe and become about how you behave? And are banks just, justified in closing counts because of your behaviour? Um. And you know, in much the same way as you know, a barman can chuck you out of the bar if you, if you if you're drunk and disorderly and you start swearing at the other customers, right? They this, yeah. they have the right to do that. Well, why wouldn't a bank have the right to close an account with somebody whose behaviour was alienating other customers and, and 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 putting their revenues at risk?
0: Yeah, there's a direct connection between in my head, and they're totally different issues. But the way I think about this stuff is is the way that. um I think about how Twitter during the pandemic was um was was censoring conservative voices and mm-hmm. you know obviously kicking Trump off of the the platform <clears throat> and using um the whole January 6th thing as as the excuse for it but in reality as we all know and as we've seen you know in leaked documents and stuff it was really about uh, the same kind of thing, reputational risk to the yeah. platform. Like what kind of liabilities does this create for the platform? Is it worth it? You know, do we, there's a reason that, that, um, you know, they kept a lot of left-wing voices that were just as violent, you know, just as insightful as, uh, as Trump was, but they got rid of Trump, you know? And so it's, it's kind of, there's this movement throughout the world to, um, try to extinguish um, what's perceived as as conservative voices, uh, you know. And, and conservative is is a broad term, you know, but it's more like non traditional. Um, I guess nationalist to a certain extent.
1: Well, I would say actually they are traditional, and that's the point. Actually, is that the is is that the, that it, to the extent they're being extinguished is because people don't want those kind of very traditional views coming back
0: um do you think they should be extinguished
1: no actually i don't um i think within reason um all people should have the right everybody has the right to their to their to their beliefs um and within reason and like i said this is about behavior
0: what do you mean within reason though what no, no, that? no. I'll, I'll
1: explain. I'll explain what I mean. Okay. Um, I'll explain what I mean. That people have the right to express those beliefs as well, and the, the limit to that for me is actually when expressing those beliefs starts to um, uh, trample on the rights of others. For example, if it's abusive, that's not okay. So you know, um, and it's it's at what point is this just rather assertive expression of my legitimate beliefs? And at what point does it start becoming abusive to other people and that that i think is the distinction i do think the zeitgeist is changing actually that we have went through a period when it was conservative voices that were being cancelled and i actually had an issue with that i don't necessarily agree with those voices but I, they have the right to hold their hold and express their opinions as long as they do so politely and i follow a number of right wing accounts myself as i don't know if you're aware of that but i do and i talk to them if they're polite you know if Mm. we can have it we don't have to agree it doesn't matter um as long as we we can engage respectfully respect each other's respect the fact that we don't agree and not resort to to insulting each other and, and being rude i think it's the, maybe this is very British of me, but I do actually think that uh, maybe this is to do with the fact that we are a relatively small island and fairly crowded island nation. Um, so if we don't get on with each other, then we tend to get sort of major brawls, um, which isn't <laughs> good. Um, so manners have have always been quite a British thing. As interestingly, they are in Japan as well, which I think is for similar reasons. Um, right. Yeah. Um, you know, getting along with people. And engaging in robust debate. Yeah, but respectful debate. I think it's really important. It's how we develop new ideas. It's how we how we move society on in, in good ways. Sometimes it can be in bad ways as well. But we need that. I wouldn't want to see that stifled. I just would like people to be more open to other people's ideas and other people's beliefs, more willing to listen, more willing to think and less willing to resort to abuse. And um, kind of um, echo chamber type um, um, pylons, you know, where where um, people just pile in and you know the the broken record effect where they just keep it, where everybody piles in and says it's like this, you know, and I and I keep saying but that's not what the facts say, um, you know. We we do seem to have reached a point where if enough people say something, it must be true, even if it's not actually what the what the facts are, and that bothers me enormously.
0: You said before that you're skeptical about government having complete control over the money supply, et cetera. Um, But do you think that that money should be used as a tool to keep that speech in check, you know, and to prevent abuse and to prevent those those human rights violations through speech specifically that you're talking about?
1: No, I I don't think that's an appropriate use of 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 money. Actually, um, as I've said, that that money is a tool of the law. So, um, if you have a bank that is um, facilitating money laundering, for example, for example, and it gets caught, then it will be fined, and so it will suffer a monetary penalty, and that will hurt its shareholders, who ultimately it is responsible. For responsible to. Um, and so that is a way of imposing sanction on a bank that breaks the law. But within the law, no, I don't think money should be used to con- control speech. And in fact, it worries me hugely that actually some very rich people are trying to do exactly that, use their, their, their money, their wealth, to silence people who disagree with them and are much poorer than them. I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing the, the, the courts used in that way. No, the defamation suits used to silence people who are poorer mm-hmm. and who are dissenting voices. And that's not right. And I don't think the government should do that either, by, by the way, but I, I see it as more of a problem of very rich people who may be in government or may not be in government um, basically abusing the law um, because they have money, monetary power. And, and that's not, not right know justice should be available to everybody
0: is the situation in Britain similar to the u s with regards to banking the u s banks are are heavily controlled they're yeah. heavily regulated obviously, and they're practically at this point I like to consider them as branches of government as as agents of the government basically because they're enforcing the monetary rules of the government they're they're completely controlled as far as what they can do, how they can act. Um, and they they have to comply with regulations, with, with KYC, AML, bank secrecy laws. They have to reveal information to the government about their customers. Um, are Britain's banks in the same boat as far as that goes?
1: Yes. Yeah. I, and actually, banks are worldwide. There's very few places that are not operating that kind of of control of, of banks. Um, really because... And, and it's fair to say the KYC AML industry has grown up in the last um, decade or so, um, really because otherwise we have got a problem as societies with um, criminal activity and, and um, uh, kind of law breaking really. Um, and so all jurisdictions control their banks because if they don't, banks can be used to facilitate law breaking. So do you, mm-hmm. um, I mean, all businesses to some degree are controlled by the law and all businesses, therefore, um, and all businesses can suffer monetary penalties if they break the law. So in that respect, that also is using money to control what businesses do. It's not necessarily just banks. Banks are heavily controlled for sure. One of the issues I think with banks, though, and the reason why I'm a bit concerned about the the creeping over, the, the creeping um the kind of, sort of philosophical attitude to banks and it bothers me um and i'm seeing this actually quite a lot in the crypto world of all places or mm-hmm. the banks that are associated with the crypto world with this idea that banks are um agents of the state I mean they are in the sense that they create in in that they create money they are, they are licensed to do so by the state to create money through lending and to accept deposits and when a bank accepts a deposit it's actually converting it into its own money so they are licensed which is um, because of their license deemed to be equivalent to the money created by the state right and th- they are licensed to do that in that sense they are an arm of the state but I'm increasingly seeing the argument the banks individually and this is an important point are, public, are, are de facto public utilities because of their role in the payment system and I fundamentally disagree with indiv- indiv- the individual banks or anything of the kind. The banking system collectively in western countries because of its dominates, a domination in the payment system because of the way in which electronic payments and bank accounts have become so important to us um, is is Um, essentially is to all intents and purposes of public utility although but you should be aware public utility doesn't necessarily mean mean state controlled Um, but individual banks are not so when we're talking about people who have had their bank accounts closed because the bank decides it doesn't want to deal with them um, as long as they have banking services available to them from other banks the banking system collectively is meeting its obligation towards them as a public utility where we need to have a backstop potentially if we are to regard the banking system as a public utility is what do we do if we have people or companies that no bank will service what is our what is what is the, the state's obligation to those people and individuals, and does it have a responsibility to step in to make sure those people are served? In the UK, the big banks, the high street banks, um, because they are not just licensed by the state, but explicitly, in effect, guaranteed by it, uh, because they're too big to fail, they have a statutory duty, a legal duty, to provide basic banking basic banking services to anybody um, with Though there are certain exclusions from those and the exclusions are people who can't prove their identity People whose immigration status is dodgy and people who have committed financial crimes um, but everybody else they are obliged to give um, basic banking services to and that actually is is why NatWest offered Nigel Farage a bank account when okay. the right? Because Nigel Farad said that he had gone to nine other banks, and they had all turned him down for accounts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not they can't they, they didn't give a, didn't give reasons why and they're not obliged to because if if back if back if, if customers or would be customers fail, um, and it anti-munolog, anti money laundering checks or something like that, the bank's not allowed to tell them um because it constitutes tipping off so the bank's not obliged to give a reason Um, and we don't know whether any of these banks did give reasons for turning him down because he hasn't disclosed that which is fine that's his prerogative to keep that to himself but NatWest then offered him a personal bank account because as uh, NatWest and Coots you're probably aware of this uh, NatWest and Coots are all part of the NatWest group which is nearly 40% owned by the UK government Um, And so NatWest PLC, the UK bank, NatWest Group had an obligation to ensure that closing Nigel Farage's coot's accounts didn't mean he became unbanked. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. I mean, that's all. He had options is what you're getting to. He had an option. And what I'm
1: saying is that he, yeah, they gave him an option when it became apparent that other banks weren't going to give him options and there was a risk that he would simply end up without a bank without without uh, banking at all and that's what that's what i mean by safeguards and we do need to make sure we have safeguards in the system because banking has become so essential we do need to make sure there are safeguards in the system so that legal businesses businesses aren't engaging in illicit activity or something and individuals subject to the things I mentioned potentially, although even there, that's a little bit, some of those are a little bit dodgy, do actually get the banking services that they need. Um, just, and this, kind, this actually mm-hmm. kind of touches on, on a few things that have been going on in, in stablecoin world um, to do with custodia bank. And um, it's one that came out to do it today on Pay Services Limited, who are claiming the Fed Federal Reserve is obliged to give them Fed master accounts and that kind, it kind of touches on that, that, you know, as a bank, um, it's very difficult to operate if you don't have a Fed master account. And so it, it can cripple your business. Um, and therefore, arguably, the Fed has a statutory duty to provide master accounts to um, banks and payment institutions.
0: Um, the Fed is a kingmaker. They, they decide who's going to be in business and who's not. Well, well,
1: no, that's exactly what the lawsuit's about, is saying actually the Fed doesn't have that right. That but they do.
0: Is- I mean, they do it. They turn they down like.
1: It. They do it, and it's being challenged in court.
0: The I just want to challenge some of what you said before. It kind of ties into this about mm. banks being private businesses and, and yeah. not being agents of government. When they are just, first of all, when historically for decades, uh, if not over a century, banks have been uh, made, you know, created uh, to a certain extent by the Federal Reserve uh, and given authorization to operate by the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, you know, is, is like they turned down um, a bank called Anchorage, I think it was called a few months ago, which, you know, tried to, to create a bank. I believe it was in Wyoming, that would sort of opt out of fractional reserve, you know, to a certain extent and be no, fully that's, backed.
1: I'm, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's okay. the case I'm talking about, right? If okay. You, you, let me talk it through because in America, it's different from the UK, right? In America, you can have, you have state chartered banks, right? So custodia bank, paid services limited, um, and, and so on are, are, are licensed banks, but their licenses are ish, issued by the states. That was also true of the banks that failed. So Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley Bank was a California chartered bank. Um, Signature Bank New York was a New York chartered bank, right? Their licenses are issued by the states. Um, Some of them are also federally supervised, federally regulated banks. The bigger ones are. Um, But when you're dealing with these state chartered banks, the problem you've got is that the state chartered, they are banks by virtue of having their state charter state license and the argument is that the Fed, is that if they are licensed banks um but not members of the federal reserve system the federal reserve doesn't have the right to turn them down for a master account that's essentially the argument that custodia is making and pay service is making um, and and the argument that they present some kind of risk because they've got a, a non-traditional banking model they're doing um, full reserve banking or whatever they're doing doesn't wash right. because it has an obligation. And the only, I was looking at this earlier and there is a, a, a contested case as with the three, split three wages in its decision. The courts really don't seem to know what to do about this yet. They're basically saying, you know, there are it's a very fast-moving situation. Facts are developing, so they can't give a full statutory interpretation at the moment. Um, but there is a contested case involving a credit union um, which was turned down for a Fed master account on the grounds that under its state laws, it could deal with um, um, Marriott, Mar- businesses... Uh, dealing with marijuana um, but under federal law it couldn't and it was turned down because it the um, companies because it couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't deal with companies who were legally within its state dealing with Mariana but illegally mm-hmm. federally and that's a peculiarity of the US legal system that you can have this conflict between states and federal law we don't really have that here
0: yeah um, it's a feature by the way not a bug
1: oh for sure it's a feature actually your states have a considerable degree of independence
0: yeah and
1: yeah and you know and in a way it's a check on on federal power that states have that um but it does create for some very complicated lawsuits
0: yeah yeah let me um just take this out of the weeds just a little bit and reframe it because The way that I I like to approach this kind of stuff, specifically like with this Anchorage custodia thing, where they want to create a bank that's fully backed, does not have this situation that every other bank in America has where they don't have the cash, they they can't honor every deposit. They want to create this bank that offers people full security, full, you know, peace of mind that the money is there. If you deposit money, it's there. Mm -hmm. And they want to do that because there's demand for it. Obviously, people want yeah. that um so there's two ways to look at it though one is from the government's point of view from the government's point of view and uh, when i say government i include federal reserve because it's all connected and to yeah, say absolutely. it's not is nonsense no yeah,
1: no So uh, that's absolutely correct to like say that. the you know
0: money creation policy interest rates it's all coming from yeah. the government so um from their point of view it doesn't fit it doesn't fit it breaks the puzzle it exposes the system to a certain extent right because having even one bank connected into this system that's fully backed breaks the system it, it, i
1: don't think it does no? i don't think it does i'm going to disagree with you there because we need diversity in our banking system it's perfectly okay to have full reserve banks it does not mean all other forms of banks will die. Historically, full reserve banks actually don't tend to last very long. And the reason for that is that they're fundamentally unprofitable um, unless they start doing things that they really shouldn't be, really shouldn't be doing and then they get stamped on. Um, so um, I'd be interested to see if this time is different. But um, but there is no reason why you can't have a banking system that has fractional reserve banks in it and full reserve banks in it. Let me give you an example. Back in, in the history of the UK, in Scotland, we had things called trustee savings banks. They were set up. They were non-profit institutions, actually, that were set up to enable the poor to save, and they were mandated by law to back all of their all of the deposits solely with government debt and gold. Right? They mm-hmm. were full reserve banks. Bank reserves was a long time ago. Bank reserves kind of were gold then. So this is full reserve, right? Um. They coexisted with fractional reserve banks. The problem you have when you have full reserve banks coexisting with fractional reserve banks, and particularly full reserve banks that don't pay interest on deposits. Now, these ones actually did, because these were savings banks, they did pay interest on deposits. But the ones that these new types that are popping up don't pay interest on deposits and actually we saw with with um, the banks that fell Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank Bank New York, Silvergate Bank all of them were actually operating a similar model within a fractional reserve bank it was like like a a part of their business that was for reserve or supposed to be Um, the problem you've got is that that's all fine when interest rates are low because there's not a great deal of incentive for people to move their, their savings out of a savings bank, a full reserve savings bank, into a fractional reserve bank that is doing lending and therefore can offer them higher rates. But as interest rates starts to rise start to rise, that changes. And we the, the trustee savings the savings banks in the UK died in the nineteen seventies when interest rates rose.
0: Okay. So why wouldn't that happen now, I mean, what I was saying before when I said it would break the system, I meant, like, not that they would just defeat fractional reserve banks, but but that the full reserve banks just don't fit into the puzzle that the government is trying, the, the policy they're trying to implement in America. Point,
1: but my point is that actually that doesn't matter because um, it's, uh, I can't answer for what the Fed is doing. Um, I might disagree with what the Fed is doing. I might say this is ridiculous. Just let them, just give them a mask out and let them have a go at doing this, and we'll see whether they survive. Right? Mm-hmm. That's my general philosophy: is let them, unless they're doing something that is actually illegal, or they're facilitating something that is actually illegal, like money laundering, um, or you know, marijuana, <laughs> breaking federal drug laws. Well, right, um, of course. Yeah, then let them do it. I, I don't actually have a problem with that at all. But it's, I, I if don't... they
0: don't, it's, it's it's almost what you're saying is there's no technical or fundamental reason that they can't have this exist within the U.S. monetary system. So it must be political.
1: Um. As I understand it, having looked at the Federal Reserve's criticisms of both Custodia and Pay Services Limited, what the Federal Reserve seems to be saying with both of them is that it's not satisfied that their risk management... Frameworks are robust enough and that is a legitimate criticism which needs to be heard and I'm not sure that taking this kind of rather antagonistic attitude saying you are obliged to give us an account we shouldn't have to go through all this stuff is entirely reasonable I would prefer to see them actually taking on board the criticism saying well okay let's work with you to see what, what we need to do to to make you feel happy about this um, I, I just I feel we may have gone to legal action too soon and not pursued the negoti, but then on the other hand custodia said they and pay services both said they issued their request for master count kind of like over a year before and and which is you know why the custodia took them to court to try and force them to give them an, give an answer so you know the fed did sit on its hands a lot about that and i don't think that's very good either you know i'm not certainly not saying the fed's behavior in this has been 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 right at all but as a principle i would say Yes, if people want to, to create a full reserve bank that doesn't pay interest on deposits, that provides fast, efficient pay services, payment services, that backs all of its assets with central bank reserves and um, a short dated, uh, a short dated treasury bills or equivalents, right? Because you don't want duration risk creeping in, as we had with Silicon Valley Bank, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I have no problem with that. My own personal view is that these things are, fun, are fundamentally unprofitable in a high interest rate environment, uh, and they will lose lose depositors in a high interest rate. So they 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 only really work at scale, because if, if your reserves are all entirely um, central bank reserves and um, short and T-bills, then A, the amount of interest you will earn on those is determined entirely by the central bank. You do realise that, right? And secondly... Uh, and the central bank can simply say I don't want to pay you um, and reduce your reduce the payment on res- interest rate on reserves down to zero and then what do you do um, and um, anyway it's kind of hoovering up pennies the spread between um, the spread between your deposit rates your and 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 you your really um, um, your assets the asset side of your balance sheet is the lowest lowest earning assets um, you see right. what I means your net interest yeah. mark it's not going to be very good you're going to offer zero interest rate to depositors and depositors might say actually there's a bank over there that's offering me higher offering me some p- positive interest on demand deposits why wouldn't I go there so, and that's actually what happened to the trustee savings banks was that people went to the fractional reserve banks because the fractional reserve banks could um, give them higher interest rates
0: right right now now, uh, whether or not it'll work is one thing, but the the demand is coming, you know, in this case, from Bitcoin type people, right? So the whole connection here with this bank and the the idea and the concept behind it is coming from people who are um, who are working with and are interested in Bitcoin. So, Absolutely. Um, and
1: uh, my and people, view uh-huh. is that if, if there's a need for this type of bank to service that type of customer, then the system should accommodate it. I, I honestly don't see that we need to be this antagonistic.
0: Okay. So the the idea here, you know, obviously was let's take some control out of the government's hands to a certain extent. Let's have a fully backed bank. Um, let's have some peace of mind. And that's coming from the mentality. That Bitcoin tends to offer people, which is, you know, um, this sound money idea, you know, this hard money, this out of the hands of the government money that exists. It's not fiat. You know, it's it's completely separate and programmatic. Now, where, how would you summarize your view on Bitcoin these days?
1: Well, I think it's. Where it always was, really, which is i don't uh, i i i it's quite sad really, I mean when I first encountered <laughs> when I first encountered Bitcoin back when the animals could talk, um no only about a year or so after it first emerged when it was only worth pennies, um it was widely believed then that it was like going to be a faster, cheaper, more secure way of doing payments. Particularly international payments. And then we had the scaling problems and the block size walls and all the rest of it, and it morphed into this store of value and the valuation hit skies. And I think where we've ended up now is that it seems to be regarded as some kind of risk asset, um, which I think is a little unfair. (laughs) my my view on bitcoin is we do need monies like this we do because no governments no government should ever have complete control of money so we do need private monies and bitcoin is 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 a good a good money for people who are in repressive regimes there's the
0: quote bitcoin is a good money i've got it i've got the soundbite i'm going to be using that on twitter later
1: under some circumstances <laughs> it's, like a very, it's a very niche okay. use. okay <laughs> it has kidding. certain good uses and I've said this before this is nothing new about this Chris I've said this before that actually and, and it's shown by the evidence that people who are in um, regimes where the government is is playing a fast, fast and loose with the value of money so hyperinflation very high inflation bitcoin is 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 a place you can escape is a a money you can escape to so what's wrong with it um um and in in regimes where the government is is denying some people the means to transact deciding who can and who can't get access to this to the to the payment system for example again Bitcoin is a good is an alternative I I've never ever disputed that you know financial inclusion in some countries Bitcoin is a good choice but it's a niche use it's never I don't think it's ever going to be the worldwide uh, mainstream money, that I think big, many Bitcoiners wanted it to be the Bitcoin standard, that people went on about. I mm-hmm. don't think is ever going to happen.
0: So, just as a as a tool for holding value, as a tool for separating some part of your life from the control of a fiat money supply, yeah. uh, you believe it has use in those cases.
1: It has, in some cases have, has a use. I mean, you have to look at the alternatives. What alternatives are there that people can use under those circumstances. And the biggest alternative in places like Venezuela is the U S dollar. So it might well be, they seem to use Bitcoin as a bridge to dollars. Um, cause what they really want is dollars, right. but even that's a legitimate use.
0: Right, right, right. Do you think that, um. Like how much do you can you because I know in the past, I think we've even had exchanges about the technology that supports and and makes Bitcoin work and mm-hmm. the decentralization of it. Do you see yep. value in the in the idea that this type of technology is actually decentralized? Do you believe it's decentralized? Like do you believe that it's th- um, sustainable in that way?
1: Okay. I think the problem. It was kind of an unforeseen effect in Satoshi's original design because he didn't envisage the creation of mining pools. Now, I know they're kind of cooperatives, but when you have um, cooperatives like that, um, groups of people banding together, um, then your decentralization is effectively reduced because they're banding together and operating together as one um, by virtue of being in the pool. If you can see what I mean. So your, mm-hmm. your entities are you've got a much smaller number of actual individual entity entities is not as atomized as, as it ought to be. And that is a concern. That said, Bitcoin is probably more decentralized than a good many other things where, you know, decentralization is in name only. What somebody called it. Um, and I right. think that Bitcoin is 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 more decentralized than many other. uh, things but but I do think it is not as decentralized as Satoshi envisaged and that we all hoped it would be
0: Do you think it's the most decentralized form of money in the world though?
1: No frankly I don't What is? This is going to blow your mind but taking across the globe as a whole, remember I'm not talking about individual countries here, I'm talking about the world as a whole the most decentralized form of money is actually the banking system Come on! No, I'm you serious. You can't do this
0: in the last few minutes of the podcast.
1: Yes, I really can. <laughs> it's a decentralized form of money.
0: The banking system. So, but is the it's banking system a form of money?
1: No, but but banks create money. Right. See, this is. I think I, I I when I'm discussing with crypto people, they can't get their heads around it, saying Bitcoin is not equivalent to say Visa or MasterCard or, or um, JP Morgan, it's not, it's more like the Federal Reserve um, because it's creating base money. What mm. banks create is a layer two above that and they do so in a way that responds to demand. They're not doing it because governments are telling them to produce this much money. Governments kind of influence it with, with uh, central banks influence it with interest rate policy. but Central banks aren't telling them how much to create. No,
0: but central banks are controlled by a few people in each country or whatever that meet up every year and decide on what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. But they're not controlling what the banks do. In fact, one of the hilarious things about central banks is how difficult it is for them to control what banks do.
0: Right. But to say the banking system is decentralized is is kind of like... I'm talking
1: about banks, not about central banks.
0: Okay. But even with banks... You know, if you can get a, one conference a year where you get all these bankers together, I mean, the difference so between...
1: You have, so you have multiple conferences in a year when you get all these crypto people but together. They're going to be decentralized. Oh, come on. Let's
0: That's compare it back to, to Bitcoin, though. I mean, can you... <laughs> like, Bitcoin has nobody who you can go and meet with and change the supply, right? Well, they, they have nobody... Go and,
1: go and talk to Blockstream
0: you think that blockstream can change the, the bitcoin money supply
1: no actually i don't because it's programmed in but i will tell I don't. you bitcoin most... as i just said to you yeah bitcoin is not equivalent to a commercial bank it's equivalent to something like the federal reserve so you're not comparing like with like here
0: but i i asked you what's more decentralized form of money than bitcoin and you went to the banking system
1: I, I I'm I, I was taking it as the crypto world as a whole. It, okay. the banking system is more decentralized than the crypt, than crypto. Taken gotcha. as a whole
0: taken Yeah, and whole. I guess what I was trying it, to get to yeah. was i can't I can't fathom it. I
1: won't I won't compare banks with Bitcoin because they're not equivalent. Okay. I'll compare banks with the crypto ecosystem as a whole. um taken the two taken together globally. I would say, as it stands at the moment, that, that um, uh, banks are actually more decentralized than crypto.
0: Do you think that this CBDC thing is is a real uh, thing? Or do, you, or do you think it's like decades away still?
1: Oh, mm-hmm. No, they're going to do it. They're going to do it, and they'll do it quite soon. And then it will all shrivel and die because it's a bit of a joke, really, anyway. I mean, I, mean, I, I keep coming back to the same thing, which is actually people if people understood... Um, a little bit more about central banks and and the kind of kinds of money they create and, and what what's actually going on, then they would see this is the nothing burger it actually is. Um, so, um, if you look at the kinds of money that central banks create as opposed to commercial banks, we distinguished between those two. What we call base money, mm-hmm. it consists of physical cash, notes and coins. And bank reserves. Now, bank reserves are the money are deposits at the central bank. They're the money that banks use to settle settle transfers between themselves, right? Um, Of those two, bank reserves are much, much more than physical notes and coins. Um, You and I never touch them. Um, And um, but they are electronic. They are digital money. Okay, so they're not on a blockchain. Does that matter? When you're talking about CBDC, central bank digital currency, it doesn't have to be a blockchain-based uh, money, does it? So what is the difference between a CBDC and, and bank reserves? The difference is who can get at it. So at the yeah. moment, at the moment, you could say the banks have a CBDC already. They've had it for 50 years, actually, because it was, goes back to the 1980s, electronic reserves. Um, 1970s, 1980s, round about then. Um, Right. That's been in existence for a very long time. Um, what the CBDC argument about debate is about is whether central banks should extend access to central bank digital money to businesses and individuals. And if so, in what way should they do it by allowing businesses and individuals to have accounts at central bank as banks do? Or should they do it by issuing a bearer instrument equivalent to physical cash, so an electronic version of physical cash? That's the debate that we're having. I personally would prefer the physical, the equivalent of physical cash ver- version, um, but and and it seems to be foundering on a lot of political issues, which annoy me a lot, because you know if people are to have access to the digital economy, and they need digital money. Um, so um, central banks historically have produced phys- physical cash, which is anonymous. It can't. It's difficult to trace it. Um, it's it's government money that government does, really can't control. We need something equivalent. We we need something equivalent. Arguably, if you're going to go down the CBDC route, then what you should be doing is something equivalent, um, digital money that is anonymous and can't be traced. It could be produced by government, but it's founded on political issues, and that's really where the need for private money is come in. Because if government can't do that, can't you can't have an, an anonymous an anonymous digital form of money? Well, you can. Because government because governments are trying to control it because governments are terrified that it will facilitate money money laundering or something. Right. You need private monies to 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 plug the gap, and because uh, it seems, uh, seems to me is where crypto falls. It comes in.
0: Because we live in a world where everybody has to be treated like a criminal just in case you are a criminal, right? Isn't that what it boils down to with money? It
1: is what it boils down to, but for, but we have also have to accept the fact that actually a proportion of society are criminals and the rest of society <laughs> need to be protected from them.
0: I think don't that we, the CBDC... Isn't no. that
1: called the rule of law?
0: No, I don't agree with... Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with anything that starts with, you know, there there may be some criminals so everybody should be treated like a criminal i mean this all you know this is this is the what we go through at the airport this is what we go through at the bank i just saw a story yesterday that uh, in order to turn on your the, the a new vaping device that's coming out, or you can vape nicotine or whatever, you're yeah. gonna have to connect it to your phone through Bluetooth and scan your driver's license. Yeah, I mean, that's for but, me but, to um, I when I go to I'm it, in it, Tennessee, then
1: you, but then you need to argue about your your, your federal laws.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's federal and state. I mean, it's it's if I go to We're buy federal. a beer here in Tennessee, I. I'm an old you know I' I'm, I'm in my late 40s. I have gray in my beard, but I have to show my driver's license. I always say to the cashier who's like 18 I'm oh, no, like Can you, you need
1: to, you, need to you, 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 you cracky you 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 lot of control freaks aren't you here in the UK if I go down to my supermarket and I buy a bottle of wine right and I take it to the self-service till um, and I scan it and a little light will go up. And a, a tenant will come over and she will um, get her, her, her it will sign in with her account. And there will be a button on there that says the uh, the customer is obviously over 21.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't do that just, here anymore. Because she would of, just
1: press that and I don't have to show anything. She would just do
0: it on the basis of what I look like. But some people may get offended you see, so we now have to check 80-year-olds' driver's license. No, but
1: we don't uh, – you see, you, you, you not need to – you see, we're much more libertarian than you are, it seems, because we don't do that. People in, in the UK it's really coming don't soon. have that kind of – No, it's not. It's oh, yes, not, it is. honestly, we don't even <laughs> have identity cards
0: You get all of our social problems just a couple of years later. We
1: just don't. Anyway, (laughs) yes, I'm very aware that we have this kind of sort of creeping control. And I don't like it either. Um, But that's not to say we shouldn't have any control. I think that's the difference. And one of the things that's bothered me hugely about crypto is how incredibly infested with criminal behavior it's become. And when they say criminal, behavior that hurts people, behavior that robs people, that takes away their money.
0: Are you talking about crypto or the U.S. dollar? I'm
1: talking about crypto.
0: Oh, the not the U.S. dollar, that, not cash.
1: Not, no. Because I'm talking about crypto, which has become one of the most fraud-infested spaces on the planet.
0: Cash, right? You're talking about cash.
1: No, I'm talking about crypto.
0: Oh, because I thought you were talking about cash.
1: No, I'm talking about crypto.
0: <laughs> because cash is used in way more crimes around the yeah, world. I know, but, and... there's much
1: more, but there's much more of it.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Relative to the size of the industry as a whole crypto yeah. is way 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 more criminal it and, really and is what is this
0: what to, is and, this and uh, backup by
1: just for this stuff i've been just just what i've been looking at yeah i don't I've think been it's in true. this space a long time chris mm-hmm. and honestly and it wasn't like this to start with but it has become so and that I think is a lot of the problem. And and you, you look at the kind of the frauds and scams and and, and uh, have gone on all the time, constant rug pulls, people, you know hacks, um, exploits, you know, even the MEV stuff that keeps popping up all over the place is that's fraud.
0: Um, no, I I can agree with you on that. <laughs> There's what? a lot of systems that that doesn't happen as much. Uh, you know that's more of uh, an Ethereum and other. Blockchain. No, I know you're
1: talking about Bitcoin, and, and Bitcoin is relatively insulated from it. To be fair, fair I enough. I was talking about crypto as a whole, not about Bitcoin specifically. And you might want to say, well, you shouldn't tar Bitcoin with the same brush as that. And I say, yeah, I bet for an average person in the street looking it looking in, it's all crypto. And what they see is the frauds and the scams and the rug pulls and the hacks and the and the exploits. And they see they don't people don't see. Bitcoin is fundamentally different from from that. Um, Bitcoin as a technology, I think, has proved itself robust to hacking and exploits and what have you. But I'm not talking about technology. I'm actually talking about how people use it. So even if your underpinning is something like Bitcoin, um, then um, it's a question of to what extent can it be used. I mean, fraud, I, fraud, I, I think way. what you're no actually... Ever, no technology is ever watertight.
0: What you're actually talking about, though, is, is the government's ability to control it as a form of money. Yes, you are. I'm, not.
1: I'm really not. But that's really what saying. it boils
0: down to. That's how you so can you, screen so out crimes the, and etc. right?
1: So you're saying that we shouldn't have any screening out of crimes?
0: I'm saying that using the money, the rules of the money supply, using... Um, legal uh, tools to actually affect the way that money works, in order to screen out crimes. What it does is it treats every, it treats all the billions of people on this planet as criminals, in order to to catch the very very few who actually are criminals. So you and don't
1: think there should be any control?
0: I don't uh, think any that screening,
1: this any screening, any protection for people against fraudsters and scammers and hackers
0: at all. Those who would. There's, a, there's an old quote: "Those who would give up liberty to get a little se- security or safety deserve neither liberty, liberty nor safety." Right,
1: okay. So, you know. so, so you so 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 an L, so if you have have an, say an, a fifty year old man who has put his life savings into um, some crypto and the crypto gets stolen and he gets Well, why he did he have- put
0: his money into crypto?
1: Because it was sold to him by charlatans and scammers.
0: Okay, so who, he the crime is that he was it lied was, to.
1: He was lied to, absolutely. So it was, who's going to, who's going, but you're saying there should be no control. How do you control, control people, be, stop people being lied to?
0: I'm not lying, saying that you shouldn't lying control. Lying to people, lying saying, to
1: people mm-hmm. is rife. In the, that's actually what went on with all the collapses last year, was people were lied to.
0: Okay. Systematic. By the way, this is already a crime. Literally. Like so if I go out there and I I get somebody to give me $50 in Bitcoin and I lie to them in order to get it, you know, I'm committing some yeah. sort of some sort of fraud. I'm committing the fraud, right? Yeah. We don't need to have um, KYC AML involved in order to to figure that out.
1: You know, well, we so do. there's we, we do actually we do, do actually we? Yes, we do because because if if people are using a bank to commit a fraud and the bank doesn't know who they are how are you going to detect that fraud
0: in a perfect world if
1: it's all anonymous it's all anonymous everybody can lie to everybody and you'll never find and defraud everybody and you'll never find out
0: because it's all
1: anonymous
0: the way it used to be right
1: no it it was never like that it was never like that in the whole of my lifetime people have always had to provide identity
0: that's not true that's yes. not true. Not to the extent you have to today. You didn't even yes. have to show an ID to get on a plane 20, 30 years ago. Yes, you did. Not to the extent with it respect, is now.
1: With Respect Chris. I was there 20, 30 years. I I was an, I, you know, I was I was getting on planes 20, 30
0: years ago and you did have to show ID. Yeah, but you can't dispute the fact that over time, especially since 9/11, it's been increasingly it intrusive, up. like to the well, point where talk. the example I just gave with the vape. Okay, <laughs> well,
1: let's talk a little bit about that, because that did change everything. Right, okay. I'll t- shall I tell you where I was on
0: 9-11? Sure.
1: Well, you see, I live in Rochester in, in Kent, which is in the south of, south of England. And on 9-11, I was in Scotland at work. I, I was working for RBS at the time, and because I, I was commuting from London to Scotland, and um, I was leaving the office in the afternoon to go to the airport to get on a plane to fly home to fly back south, right? Mm-hmm. And as I left the, as I was just about to leave the office, somebody said to me, um, "Have you heard the news?" And I turned round, and the um, twin towers were on the Reuters screens. I still went to the airport and got on a plane, and it's very interesting to see how things have changed. These were internal flights within the UK, right? Okay. So, it was, there, was, there were no security checks, it was, but you still had to show ID. We used to get on a plane with a driving license, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that flight that I got on then still had no security. It was completely normal because they hadn't put anything in place then. So I just walked onto the flight using a driving license and I walked off at the other end with no security checks anywhere, got in my taxi and went home, right? Within a week or two later that had all changed and we'd got all the security things in place on these internal flights that we hadn't had before. And it was because, absolutely because, of what happened on 9-11. We suddenly woke up to a threat that we didn't realise existed. Um, Now, the response to that may have been disproportionate. Certainly some of the things that were put in place then...
0: Can I just back that up one sec? I don't mean to interrupt you.
1: Restrictions about what you can take on planes are gradually being restricted. But you you said... Being relaxed, perhaps they should be. We uh do tend to overreact to things, as as humans do tend to overreact to things, and, and get totally draconian about things that, with a bit more sense, you might not be. I mean, you could say we did that over COVID as well.
0: Yeah. 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 So, but but you said that you woke up after nine eleven, realizing that this threat existed that you didn't know existed before.
1: I say we as a, as a as, as human beings as, as right. we West. Not me, I per, not me personally.
0: I say we did know the threat existed before.
1: I don't think ordinary people did know.
0: People knew that a plane could get hijacked. People knew that planes could get bombed. People knew things could happen on planes.
1: No, no, no. Let me talk this through people. It had not occurred to anybody.
0: That's not true. It It had happened. No, no, no,
1: no. Hijacks, yes, but we had never, ever had um planes hijacked and used as, as the difference here was
0: we'd never been that. terrorized to this extent we'd never been this afraid we'd never had the media show us these kinds of pictures i don't and think freak that's us true. out so bad
1: i don't think that's true it was uh, it it, the, it was the way it was done it was but the way it was done it, it was done turned, in a
0: way to capture the media
1: it was right? done in a way and it was done in a way that was unprecedented
0: it, it certainly was never, unprecedented. There had but,
1: never been commercial airlines hijacked and used as flying missiles like that, right. flying bombs like that. Not, in,
0: yeah. not in a civilian. Yeah. yeah. So, but. but, but
1: and, and the we, fact that it, was, uh, that it was civilian
0: mattered. Yes. But the controls that were added immediately, like you're saying, they weren't added only because we suddenly discovered that could happen. They were added because. People were afraid, and they yeah. were they were able to see it. They were if this had happened a hundred years before, nobody in England would have cared for uh, you know at least a few days, maybe weeks, because they wouldn't have had access saw, to the TV. But
1: we, but we still would have had the restrictions when they caught up with it. I don't think uh, you that's, can. That's I debatable. don't think you can assume. I don't think you can assume that we'd not have those restrictions.
0: I don't. Here's think where I'm going with it. I think that nine eleven was was one of the first times where we had. A global sort of panic, a global fear based situation where. Oh no, we've we, had those
1: multiple times in the past. Multiple times. It's ridiculous to say that was the first
0: one. Global instantaneous, you know, where, where you have access. You didn't have access. We have news
1: what? We've had news wires since the 19th century.
0: Yes, but you didn't have access long, to those types how long of do you images. Think
1: it- how long do you think it t- took for images of of uh, for, for news about about the Titanic sinking to get back
0: Right but when the because Titanic sank did was- the whole world within 2 days suddenly institute new ship regulations or did people stop taking cruises immediately upon that happen? No it beat you on 911 you had access to those images so instantly it took, a little,
1: so it took a little longer that doesn't matter you still had changes to shipbuilding regulations as a result Okay of that. so have- but regardless
0: of One of the
1: important, one of the important changes that happened as a result, as a direct result of the Titanic disaster, was that and remains in place to this day, is that ships must now have enough lifeboats for all the passengers on board. Before Titanic, they didn't have to. Did you know that? That was a change made as a result of the Titanic disaster, and the change is still in place today.
0: Right. So the difference between that and 9-11, 9-11, COVID, every other situation we're talking about right now, is that now it happens the same day. If the so Titanic sank today, tomorrow, every ship would have the lifeboats. The it, Back when the Titanic, you know, maybe it happened over a period of years, right? No, Where, you know, it's speeding up.
1: The change was much faster than that.
0: The reason I'm even in this debate right now with you is that I wanted to loop it back to CBDC because right. the idea... That, um, you know, and, and by the way, CBDC is like being used in so many different ways. The way I'm using it right now is the concept that eventually we're going to do away or minimize the, the role of private banks. Every citizen of the U.S. or the EU, whatever, is going to have an account with the central bank. Then the central bank obviously is going to be an arm of the government in controlling what's in your wallet at any given time. Can add, delete you know whatever that that that's the 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 big long-term fear of a lot of people they don't want government to micromanage them through adding and subtracting money from their account my point with this conversation is that 911 covid everything else in between and the access to instant data instant images instant media the ability to freeze everybody's and we saw it already with covid i mean with covid like i mean to, to be able to lock down an entire nation in like a week or less
1: yeah. is
0: like unbelievable. You know, so know, with CBDC, they'll, you know, if they, if they could wake up one day, something happens, say, okay, nobody has access to money today. Or you yeah, can now absolutely. spend $3. Like
1: <laughs> and, and, what I'm, and, they, and they did that in Greece, of course.
0: They we did know. it, but ineffectively. They couldn't do it as well, effectively they it. as they'll so be able they to do it. with digital cash.
1: They do it, did it completely effectively. They shut all the banks all of them and the only and all people could get out per day was a particular allowance of cash
0: right. right yeah and if you didn't have any already you were kind of screwed right
1: that was all you could get in cash but
0: the difference with the Cbdc is that there is no cash you only have that account and they can just wipe it out right there and it's like to just evaporating the money out of your wallet well, that's yeah that's the fear yeah and no, it's like I there's no reason it's not going to happen. Is basically the end game here. It's like everything well, is trending that think, direction.
1: I don't think it is the end game. To be frank, I, I don't think we are seeing Gosbank, uh, seeing the resurrection of Gosbank. But I, I'm, I'm not, not, not as much of a conspiracy theorist as that. But, but, <laughs> but I do. I'm just a realist. I, that's not realism. It's conspiracy theory. Um, I, I, I can see the argument. I don't think that would happen to ordinary people, but I do think it is a risk for some minorities that I don't think the government should have the power to shun, to lock people out of right. of, of, a, of a financial system so completely that they don't have the means to live. And that's, in my view, why we need private monies.
0: Including conservative white men, right?
1: Of course. Okay, fair. Why would I exclude them?
0: As long as we're treating everybody equally, then of course I am. I'm why, happy. I do think
1: I, why do you think I wouldn't?
0: Because... Most people, when they make these arguments, uh, they try to frame it in some concept of a power structure that they visualize, where they see white men at the top and not deserving of any uh, safeguards, and actually that they deserve to be punished for pa- the sins of their ancestors. But that's you know, not, and,
1: how it. And that's well, not how I see it. And never has been.
0: Uh, we need you over here. Because I, I we're really getting, don't.
1: I really don't see it that way. I don't. I, conservative, conservative men should no no more be shut out of things than anyone else.
0: Fair. No, enough. Equality
1: has equality has to mean equality, and if that means that some people, uh, it, it can't mean that some people are discriminated against because you're cross with them, right? Because because things that have happened in the past. Uh, that's not that, that's not equality. It just isn't. So no, I don't think. It, it, and for me, if uh, no government should have the power. To deny someone the means to live, I'm very disturbed by where my own government is going in in this respect. We already right, they already have the power to deny some people the means to live, and I don't think they should have that power.
0: We're on the same page there. Um, well, listen, I've I kept you, you. I'm
1: really, I told you, I'm really quite li- libertarian. That might surprise people.
0: You are see. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um there's plenty that that you and I have in common for sure I think um <laughs> there's certain areas where it goes off the rails, but I think that generally there's a lot that, that matches up so I'm glad that we Are got you, to talk
1: am I different from how you expected how
0: you thought I was? <laughs> no that's why that's why I'm kind of fascinated by you a lot because you um you make you make Excellent points in a very pragmatic and realistic way. Um, I will say this, though. I, I wish that um, we could get a little deeper. Maybe we can even do it again, like, you know, on the on the ideas of decentralization and whether, mm-hmm. whether there's any – the one area where we seem to really diverge is, like, whether or not people should be treated like criminals just in case they might be, you know, and I think that that's – a, a well, general philosophical thing that affects all of money.
1: I think I've I've already said that in general I don't. I'm gonna give you the example of if I can go to my local supermarket and yes, okay, I, I um my my the, the attendant will simply come and press a button saying she, she she's obviously over over well it's actually over twenty five, um you know it, I don't think you need to make that assumption about people, but that store attendant is doing it on the basis of what I look like, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of an identity yeah thing. That's, that's
0: a that's a benign example like right? it's about money it's about you bitcoin it's about freedom it's, to, it's to have question, money
1: mm-hmm. it's a question uh, are there are an awful lot of kind of trade offs in all of this so the trade-off between freedom freedom to do things without people having to prove who you are um or pass all these tests or you know prove that you're complying with the law or something versus um the protection of people from people who don't comply with the law and it it is a trade-off it's not simple if you have absolute no one ever has to prove anything and it's all anonymous then you have no protection no one has any protection the problem with financial systems and in crypto is true is this is is, is true in crypto as anywhere else is you get um, information asymmetry so and and Whereby there are people who have knowledge That they don't share with other people the crypto world isn't transparent yeah, and saying you can go and look on the blockchain um, You know when you're dealing with smart contracts and stuff like that. That's not good enough You've got to read the code and with the best one in the world most people can't so there are Information involved and those people people who are naive people who are ignorant people who don't understand this thing People who just got into it because it was sold to them as a good as the next best thing And they have no basis on which to make any decision. Otherwise people have been lied to Um, Yeah, they have no way really, in a system like this, and financial systems always end up like this one way or another, with information asymmetries, because information is power, and people will hold it to themselves, and, you know, um, and things become jargonous very easily, so something that ought to be understood by everybody actually isn't, Um, and then you end up having to put in place protections to protect people who just haven't got enough information, don't understand, and are easily exploited.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you on a lot of this stuff. I think we're, I don't wanna conflate Bitcoin with what's going on on Ethereum and DeFi and and that kind because the smart contracts and that stuff goes the other way. But with Bitcoin, it is transparent. It's very clear what's happening at all times. You know, The identity might not be associated with it, but you Mm -hmm. can see what's happening and where. The real question is, does a individual human being have a right to own value That they can use to buy food, to buy water, to buy shelter? Do they have a right to hold that value in their own possession without the permission of a government? Right? That's what it boils down to for me. And and, to me, the answer is yes.
1: And of course they do if they want to. And I don't think anybody's saying otherwise.
0: Uh, that the governments around the world are trying to move in a complete opposite direction of that. There's um, just a fact that you can't even purchase Bitcoin in America without showing an ID, and you can't legally sell it to another person without having a money transmitters license. Like things like that are just uh, just outrageous examples. Of how the government is trying I to stifle it.
1: That's not true, is it? Because that's all to do with the gateway with the gatekeepers. If you're just transaction transacting peer to peer with Bitcoin, you don't have to have any, any licence. Yeah, but it's you only- need to
0: bridge from the from the traditional system. Otherwise you have
1: uh, you're yes, forced to use you- it. And when you're bridging to the transitional system, then you are not dealing in Bitcoin, you're dealing in dollars and you are subject to the gatekeepers and checks and everything else that are in the
0: dollar system. But we're forced to use the traditional system. If we We don't use the traditional system, we go to jail.
1: You can transact peer-to-peer in Bitcoin without going to jail.
0: Yes, but you have to use the traditional system to pay your taxes. You have to use the traditional system in a number of different ways. You have to earn your money. In, you know, in in that yeah. fiat and if currency, you, and
1: if you and when you use the traditional system, then you play by the traditional system's rules.
0: No, yeah, but you're forced to use it, or you go to jail if you don't pay your taxes. Oh, That's what it choosing. boils down to. Or you, you don't have, or you, you can't go. opt out of fiat.
1: Or you go, or you go. Well, why shouldn't you pay your taxes? You live in, you live in the country. Um, if you don't want to pay your taxes, go and live in a different one.
0: Yeah, but my point is. Every American should, and every why should, European- why shouldn't,
1: you your, why shouldn't you pay your taxes?
0: I'm not saying you shouldn't pay your taxes. I'm saying that you're forced to use fiat. That's what fiat why, means, right? It's force. Yeah, so why,
1: <laughs> why, should, why should governments have to accept what you want to use? Well,
0: you're using fiat as the bridge from fiat to Bitcoin as the justification for identifying every Bitcoin holder. You know, it's like, yeah, you can earn bit. I could go to do a job and try to get somebody to pay if me in Bitcoin. If you
1: are working entirely in Bitcoin, you don't have to identify yourself. But in the traditional financial system, you do. So if you have to, if you're using the traditional financial system, you have to play by
0: its rules. Yes, yes. But businesses and individuals are forced to use the fiat system. And it's impractical Absolutely. to think that. Bitcoin can survive, can, can live just from... Bitcoin would have zero value if you weren't able to bridge uh, from but the money should, that, that the, the world is but using.
1: But why, why should a government accept Bitcoin in, as tax payment?
0: I'm not even saying that they should accept Bitcoin as are. a tax payment. I'm saying are. that they should allow people to opt out of the fiat system, I believe that.
1: Not without, not, not, no, because that amounts to not paying taxes.
0: <laughs> so we're going in circles so I if think, he, you, you know, know if
1: you if you live in a country it's reasonable for you to pay your taxes
0: yes yes, yes. We're, we're going we're going in circles where, because this whole thing started right here because my point was that the government should not have the right or and it doesn't have the right to identify the movement of every dollar that happens and that's what it the does. government wants and that's what kyc aml is it's the it, it gives it the government
1: but it does have that right
0: actually. no it doesn't it does yeah it's that's not. where we diverge that's where we diverge it has that right only because people are forced to use the fiat system and,
1: and it, it, those are the rules of the fiat system if you use it you play by its rules
0: yeah but you're you have to if I use it, I go to jail.
1: You have, you have a, cho- you have a choice of living in another country.
0: <laughs> now we get it. Even if I live in another country, I'm forced to use, I'm forced to pay American tax. Right. But that's a whole separate podcast, isn't well, it?
1: Well, that's true, actually. You you yeah. are. But America is the only country, it's, as far as I know, the only country in the world that makes people pay taxes wherever they are in the world. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So you'd have to relinquish your citizenship. We don't have to do that. If I move to a different country, I don't pay British taxes.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of jealous. But, uh, <laughs> well, listen, I really appreciate you doing this. We're going to have to do this again sometime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun.